Hi, you guys. This is Liz Ryan, and this is the Truth About Work podcast, episode 53. We got a bunch of questions to answer and issues to talk about. We'll see how far we get. This is what we got on the agenda, though, talking about the union election down at Amazon and a survey we did on that topic. We got a question from Rachel, who asked for a big pay raise at work. We'll see how that goes. Uh, We're going to talk about whether a new manager walking in should uh, give the team a strengths assessment question from a new manager. We got a question from Diane. Uh, I can't remember what that is exactly. Oh, um, should I quit my job? Also related to pay and performance reviews. Uh, How do you figure out your consulting rate, your hourly rate, if you want to consult for yourself? That's a good question from Lee. And um, a question from Macy. What do I think? about the interview question to ask candidates, why do you want to work here? All right, so let's dive in. We did a poll on LinkedIn, and uh, let's see what they said. We asked the folks on LinkedIn whether or not they support the unionizing effort at Amazon down in Alabama, although we didn't reference Alabama in the poll. We just said, Some Amazon employees are trying to start a union. Are you for this or against it? And the folks on LinkedIn said 79% said, yes, I support that. Here's exactly what I asked. Some Amazon employees are trying to start a union. Do you support this effort or not? Pretty straightforward. 79% said yes. And you know that there were 102,000 views of that poll and 5,300 of those folks voted. What's interesting to me about these survey or poll results is that LinkedIn is not a hotbed of progressive sentiment for the most part. I've been using LinkedIn and and sharing content on LinkedIn going back to 2003 when that site launched. And it's just typically not a place where people are sort of pushing the envelope at all or even necessarily supporting, uh, you know, workers. In fact, I mean, I often find on LinkedIn and from the correspondence that I receive from folks who see my stuff on LinkedIn, that it's it's a it's, it, a lot of folks are very bought in to the notion of you know work hard and get ahead in the corporate world and all that. Hey, God bless you know. But um, I'm happily surprised. Seventy nine percent of our fifty three hundred survey responses respondents poll poll respondents on LinkedIn said yeah go ahead and unionize Amazon. I think and there are a lot of comments. Uh, you could read the comments if you see that post if you follow me on LinkedIn. I think that it's a popular effort down there, the unionizing at Amazon, because Amazon has been so blatant and so egregious about the way that they've kind of stomped their foot and said, you're not going to unionize. The latest is that they offered folks, I believe it's a $2,000 quit bonus. Go ahead and quit, and then we'll rehire you back after the union election. Now there's an inquiry into whether or not that's legal. But how overt and blatant can you get? We don't want to unionize. I would love to see Amazon's employees unionize. I, I, I'm hard-pressed to think of a situation in the last 10 years when people have been more vocal about the mistreatment at work. They have to pee in a bottle because they can't make it to the restroom in their time that they get for a break and stuff. It's real bad in the Amazon workplaces and this uh, uh, warehouses. And this, um, you know, is everywhere. 
And, and it's, it harks back to the 1930s and 40s. And the reason that unions finally you know, came to prominence in the United States because the working conditions were so dismal and uh, horrible that we should find ourselves there again. Jeff Bezos, who owns Amazon, was the richest man in the world. And I mean, he can afford to pay people more and he can afford to give them breaks and he can afford, there, there's another story about a plant, I'm not sure if it's in Alabama or not, where people were told, if you want to keep your job, you're going to work this particular shift that I think begins at one in the morning and ends at four in the afternoon or some unbelievable thing. It's, you know, it's medieval. It's serfdom. It's not cool. And um, I, for one, am all in favor of cracking down on employers like that who treat talent. They probably even call it on their website somewhere talent like, like, like livestock. It's horrifying. So yeah, let's get a unit at Amazon. I'm sure you would pay. I would be happy to pay 40 cents more for a whatever box of pasta to have people be treated decently, be treated like human beings. So that's our first topic, unionizing at Amazon and the poll on LinkedIn and what people had to say about that. Then we have a question from Rachel. Here we go. Hi, Liz. I've been following you for years and I finally put some of your internal selling advice to use at my job. I set up a meeting with my boss in preparation for my annual performance review, which comes up in April. I laid out my plan, my roadmap for the rest of 2021 and into 2022. My boss got really excited. What is it going to take for us to get this work done? She said, I told her I need a little bit of training, one piece of software and an 8% salary increase on top of my 70K current salary. All right, so as a 8560, that's about $5,600, okay. She looked dismayed and said that 8% part is going to be tough. I'm already arguing for a 4% raise for you and I'm getting pushback. Mm. I told her it's less than $300 a month, way less than they would have to pay a consultant if I needed help, okay? She says she'll see what she can do. I wonder if I misstepped. What do you think? Hmm. No, Rachel, listen. It is so hard to find your voice at work. The, the whole energy at work is that there are certain things we don't talk about to be polite young men and ladies, and we don't talk about our own pay. That is trained into us at work. The fact that you went to your boss and made a pitch for all this work that you're going to do, your wonderful 2021 plan, your roadmap, and said, I need an 8% raise is genius. It's brilliant. So hats off to you. That's how you grow your muscles. Here's the thing. We, we need to do a human workplace course on internal selling because we don't talk in the business world very often about internal selling. Why not? Well, it's obvious because we want to sell to customers. We don't necessarily want to empower our employees to use those same skills on us as managers, right? The way you did and sell the idea of giving you 8%. All right. Your manager was already arguing for 4% for you and getting pushback. Well, that's the law. I mean, anytime a manager argues for more than the standard increase for an employee, they're always going to get pushback, right? Very seldom is a higher up manager or HR going to say, sure, yeah, let's do that. 
They want you to make a business case. They want you to argue on behalf of your employee and explain why this is really necessary. And to some degree, that's appropriate, right? You can't just say, oh, the squeaky wheel gets the grease and every manager who comes into HR and says, my employee needs a special increase. You know, it wouldn't be fair if they just got it by asking. So that's appropriate due diligence and stuff like that for your manager to do. But here's the thing. You didn't mess anything up. But there is another step that you can take now, Rachel, um, now that your manager's had some time to think about it. In selling, there's only so much information. You can push through that narrow pipe, that narrow little conduit at any moment in any one conversation. And by the conduit, I mean the, the space and the air or Zoom or whatever between you and your manager. They just can't take in too much in a meeting. You know how that is? You just There's only so much they can take in, especially because the information that you're sharing with them is, 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 is world-changing. You know, if your manager has to go upstairs figuratively and say, I already told you I want to give Rachel 4%, but now you know, she's asking for eight, that's a big scary message for a manager and they're worried about expending their own political capital and it's very, uh, you know, I guarantee your manager was thinking, I don't want to lose Rachel for the rest of the day. I don't want to lose Rachel, but I don't want to lose my own job and I don't want to fall out of favor with these folks, you know, higher than me. And your manager's probably like, Ugh. so there's two things I want you to do, Rachel. One is definitely update your resume because you shifted the energy. It needed to shift. But if your manager is not adept, they may go upstairs, figuratively speaking, to the higher-ups and say, Rachel wants 8% and not know how to sell the idea of giving you this 8% increase, as absurd as that sounds, for 200 bucks a month. And, and, and make it worse and make things worse such that somebody says, well, Rachel sounds like a malcontent. Rachel sounds like a troublemaker. So, you know, it's good to have your resume up to date all the time. Anyway, it's good to have your resume out there to have a friendly recruiter or two in your corner. Uh, you know, get on that because it was good that you shifted the, the, the still the calm <laughs> surface of the water, but you did. And you needed to, and now you need to follow up and make sure that, you know, God forbid things, the water's really roiled, that you are going to be okay. So that's number one. You got to start job hunting. And number two is to follow up with your manager and say, I know that was a lot of information I shared with you the other day, and you, you took it in brilliantly. I wanted to say that, you know, if you are in favor of this 8% raise for me, which is really 4% if they were already cool with the original 4%, um, I would love to help you prepare to sell that. And they, and they call that process, Rachel, selling the seller. You got to sell her to sell them. She can't make that decision herself, right? So you got to prep her to go upstairs, figuratively speaking, and sell that 4%. Now you may be thinking, this is just dumb. This is way too much effort for 4% of $70,000, which is $2,800 a year, yes, $200 and change a month, should I just get another job, Liz? Yeah, well, this is usually what Mother Nature is trying to tell us. When you have to really work that hard to get paid what you're worth, there's you know many, many, many other companies you could work for. And I realize change is hard and job hunting is a pain in the neck, but you know most of our employers' power over us is because of our own 
mm-hmm. aversion to job hunting. So the more comfortable you get with the idea of job hunting, the, the, more, the, the more power you'll have in the equation because you'll be ready to move if you need to move in a situation like this. But either way, Rachel, I'm glad you had that conversation. That's, that's really, really great. And you are growing your muscles. And I, I hope you feel stronger because you are stronger, even if you can't tell right away. And if you don't get the end result right away that you want, it's still really magnificent. Hats off to you. You rock. All right, moving on. So here is a question from Carl. As a new manager walking in, should I give a strengths assessment to my new team members? No, Carl. Thank you for asking. Don't do that. That's no. I don't, it's not a good thing to do. It's it's like coming in. First of all, strengths assessments. I hate strengths assessments. If somebody voluntarily wants to do that, you say, hey, here's a tool. You guys don't have to do it. You certainly don't have to share the results with me, your manager. But if if you want to, if it would be fun, you know, it'd be useful to you. And I'm always happy to talk to you about this stuff. And it might help me get to know you or you get to know me or whatever. But it's absolutely not mandatory. And if you do decide to do it, I do not mean to see the results. We get very creepy very fast at work, Carl, as you know. Very paternal in a gross way. Like, I know you inside and out. Uh, No, Strengths assessment should never, ever, ever be mandatory. Those things are parlor games like DISC and MBTI and all that. They're parlor games. They're, if you're into that stuff, they're fun. If you're not into them, they could be really intrusive and gross. Work as a professional, that's supposed to be a professional relationship. We are not doing therapy on the folks on our team. So, so thank you for asking. No, don't do a strengths assessment. The other related question people ask, should I walk in as a new manager and give everybody on the team my favorite management book for them to read so we can discuss it. Please don't do that either. That is so heavy handed and nasty. People are busy. Our job walking in as a new manager is to get to know them, not for them to know how we think. Talk about pushing people away energetically, right? So we don't want to do either of those things. Give them some kind of mandatory strengths assessment that we will be privy to the results of or uh, or give them a book to read. You know, you could say, hey, anybody want to start a lunchtime book group and meet once a week and you suggest books that you like, but not you coming in and saying, in order to understand my brain, that is so gross. That is so 1956. That's the kind of thing they used to do. And it actually made sense back then when you would get in with a company and stay there 40 years. You're virtually assured of retiring from there. Yeah, I'll read a book, but not now. You know what I'm saying? But thanks for asking that, Carl. That's a really good question. Okay, Diane, to find your message here, Diane, I saved it. Looking for it now. Let's see here. Okay. List of musical theater songs. No, I gave my son a list of not musical theater songs, but actually musical theater shows. And I put this on social media because I knew I would not remember all of the, even the great, my favorite Musical theater production of all time, Candide, um, is not on the list because I spaced and tons of shows I've been in. Gypsy and, you know, How to Succeed in Business. But here's what I got for him. Musical theater songs, uh, shows, ready? My Fair Lady, Music Man, Guys and Dolls, Funny Thing Happened All the Way to the Forum, The Producer, Company, Folly, Sound of Music, Sweeney Todd, Rent to Vita, Phantom of the Opera, the Andrew Lloyd Webber, although I, you know, I'm not a fan. It's 
Cannon, A Little Night Music, South Pacific Carousel, Once Upon a Mattress, Gypsy, The Color Purple, Ragtime, Wicked in the Heights, Hamilton, West Side Story, Pacific Overtures, Man of La Mancha, Beauty and the Beast, 42nd Street, Bye Bye Birdie, Kiss Me Kate, The Fantastics, of Chorus, Line Chicago, The Wiz, Pippin, My One and Only, Little Shop of Horrors, and it should have tons of other old school musicals I've forgotten that era, Little Shop of Horrors, Kinky Boots, Beetlejuice, Cabaret, Camelot, Brigadoon, The Other Phantom by Maury Yeston, Spring Awakening, Lion King, Miss Saigon, Les Mis, Hairspray, Grease, Book of Mormon, Fiddler, Into the Woods, Showboat, Oklahoma Hair, Dream Girls, and Damn Yankees. I'm sure that you could come up with a hundred more, so if you think of them, just find that thread on wherever, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, or even Instagram, and add your favorite shows to the list. Okay, we're going to find Diane's message and read it in a second here. Oh, here's, a, here's one to ask in the meantime. One um, to address, rather. Hi, Liz. What is your take on hiring companies requiring references for new hires before they're officially hired? My take is that a thorough background check, including financials, should suffice. Thanks for everything. Okay, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I know some financial companies will do a, insist on a reference from your current place of employment after they've extended an offer, but the offer is not you know binding on them. Not that it ever is because it's an offer letter, which in the U.S. is specifically not supposed to be construed as a contract. But the offer isn't real until they do that reference. So you totally put your current job at risk by letting them talk to your current boss. And I think it's heavy handed and gross and I don't approve and I if you have any other choice at all, would say don't go work for people like that. I don't agree with the idea of I have to talk to your current boss. That's pure fear. Come on, step up and hire somebody. Talk to somebody. And as you said, verify their past employment. And that's it. If they want references, you have other references. Many people quit their job because of their issues with their current boss, obviously. So no, I don't want you to give your current boss's info to anybody when you're job hunting. And in terms of, you know, what you said, my take is that a thorough background check, including financials, should suffice. I agree with you, except that there's like three job descriptions ever that deal with money where anybody should be able to see your your personal financial information. That's really heavy-handed and intrusive, and I don't support that at all. Okay, here's Diane. My name is Diane. I've been following you on LinkedIn for almost a year now and love your content. I decided to write you to ask for advice with my company. I've been working for my company for almost four years and have seen sexist and misogynistic patterns from upper management. I am drastically underpaid for the industry and the company. So, and the company, just a side note. I'm aware of management Hiring men with zero experience for a less complex role at $10,000 more than I make three plus years at the company after three plus years at the company hitting goals every year. I have gained more responsibility and promoted every year without a raise in two years. Hmm. I've expressed my unhappiness with my compensation with my manager multiple times this year. He agreed I deserve a raise and better bonus structure because I excel in my role, but I have to trust him to get me where I should be. He also confirmed my bonus would be 15% instead of 10%. Bonuses came this week, and even though I tripled my growth goal, I received 6%. Wow. So my question for you is, should I express how I feel about this bonus? What should I do? Okay, great. Questions, Diane. Look at 
you were already underpaid even for the company. And you've seen this sexist, you know, this disparate treatment between men and women. And your boss said he supported you and would get you 15%. And here's the worst part of it, Diane. The bonuses came and yours was six. Did your manager prep you? Did he say, you know, here's what happened. I talked to the CFO and we're going to do this. You know, please tell me you didn't just get your bonus check and then, you know, look at it and see that it was 6% after your boss promised you 15. But either way, Diane, here's me just being the voice of mother nature. They don't, these people don't deserve you. You got to get out of there. You know, do you, do you go to the EEOC, uh, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, or your state's Department of Labor and try to make a case for, uh, you know, unequal pay? Or I, I can't tell you about that because that's a lot of time and energy and it might be absolutely the thing you need to do right now in your life or it might not, but I know you have to get out of there. You, the, what are you going to do? By the time your boss says, I argued upstairs for you, Diane, and I'm going to get you 15% instead of 10, and then it comes out six? I mean, what is left to talk about? Sometimes when they're that extreme, it's a good thing, right? And that's in love relationships and friendship relationships, family relationships, and certainly at work. When it's that extreme, like, oh, wow, that's you're going to go that far? Okay, so... The 15% that I planned into my budget because you told me I was getting it. And uh, yeah, I, I figured I would pay off my credit card and I would do this or that. And now it's 6% and you didn't even tell me in advance. It's going to be 6% in your paycheck, Diane. I, I mean, thank you. That's all you can say. Thank you. Because, you know, you serve as the voice of Mother Nature too. My manager, you're pushing me out of here, which is what I need to do. What, what are you going to do at that point, really, Diane? You know? Sometimes they, they, they go so far because they themselves don't have the, the wherewithal, the backbone to tell you, no, you're not getting 15%. You're not getting promoted. You know, I, I'm not saying it's right, but this people have decided that you're someone it's okay to underpay. And that just might be you or it might be all the women in this place or who knows. But yeah, no, you got to get out. The good news is you know you can earn more somewhere else. You know you can get more respect somewhere else, Diane, because you can't get less, right? That's the upside of it. Go ahead and just slowly get your job search going. Read my articles, you know, and, and start wrapping your mind around this idea of, I can leave this place. It's been four years. I can take what I've learned here to the next level of my video game get paid more, get more respect, grow more. You know what I mean, Diane? You're worth it. You're so, 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 so worth it, my sister. Okay. That's your assignment. And then tell us, tell us what happens. All right. So two quick more issues, additional issues today for episode 53. How do I calculate my consulting hourly rate? A lot of ways to do it, but a simple one is Take your annual salary, let's say it's $50,000, and divide it by 1000 It's $50. <laughs> $50. Where did I get that math from? There's 2,000 hours in a full-time working year. So if you divided your hourly rate, uh, or rather your annual salary of $50,000 by 2,000 hours, the, a typical full-time person works over the course of a year, it'd be $25 an hour. But that then would be too low as a consulting hourly rate because it wouldn't cover the fact that here in the U.S. you have to pay for your own insurance. 
You're going to take um, taxes out yourself, put those off to the side, or just pay the IRS every month or every quarter so you don't get that money mixed in with your regular spending money. And you're not going to be able to bill every hour. And very few consultants in the U.S. charge as little as $25 an hour. That's like the absolute bottom for brand new consultants. And then they, they move up, 35 45 50 55 and so on. So $50 an hour is probably a more reasonable place to, to, to start your process of building out this consulting practice and thinking about charging people $50 an hour. And it's still quite reasonable for most business functions. We actually have a course about that. We're launching a new version of it later this spring. So I'll talk about that on the podcast, I'm sure. And then the last question is, hi, Liz, this is from Macy, an HR person. What do you think of the interview question? Why do you want to work here? I don't like it, Macy. I love you, but I hate that question. It's fishing, fishing for a compliment. Don't you hate it when you're having dinner with somebody or a cup of coffee and they fish for a compliment? I mean, if it's your child or your niece or nephew, you're going to compliment them up and down, your spouse, your sister. But, you know, why do you want to work here? Oh, well, you know, it's just the building is so gorgeous. I drove by the other day and it's just breathtaking. Oh, I've always wanted to work. Come on. People need a job. Can we talk about the job? We don't ask consultants, why do you want to work with us? Hopefully. It's just gross. It's asking people to grovel. It comes from that grovel knave school of interviewing that I just hate. There's no need for it. It doesn't help you make a better new hire. What They're looking for a job. They looked at the job ads. They saw 20 that might be a reasonable fit. They decided to apply for seven of them. You were one of them. Come on. that's We can't. It, it, you're in a position of unequal power right now over that candidate because they're here trying to get a job, and you can't say so. What is it? that you find especially appealing about me and us. You know, no, you don't need to. That's lowering yourself. You're going to say, so let me tell you a little bit about the role, and then you ask me questions, and then I want to hear about your background, and let's just figure all this stuff out and try to spend a really good, fruitful hour together. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, you guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast and, and spreading the word about human workplace and our mission to reinvent work for people. And thanks for following us on LinkedIn and Instagram, Facebook, all those places, Twitter, and, um, you know, coming and getting downloads on our site and whatnot and writing to us. You can always send us questions at support at humanworkplace.com.